to Welcome to the Contractor Success Map Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Hart, and I'm an expert on how you can get the most out of your contracting company. The reason I designed this show is to help you turn your contracting company from a people-dependent money pit into a process-dependent cash cow to have the freedom you dreamed of when you started your business. Every Friday, you're releasing podcasts with information to help you get the most out of your contracting company. Be sure to join us at www.contractorsuccessmap.com and subscribe to receive our latest articles and special offers. And the best part, it's all free, just for you. Hello, everyone. My name is Randall Lee Hart. I'm your host here at the Contractor Success Map Podcast. And today, we're honored to have Corey Phillips from Home Pro Success. Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How's it going, Randall? Thanks for having me back on here. It is great to have you here, Corey. So what would you like to um, talk to our listeners about today? Well, um, you know, something that's kind of affecting the whole contracting industry, and in my opinion, we're, uh, you know, kind of in the middle of a big change. And, you know, do keep in mind that although you, you know, uh, identified me or presented me as, you know, homeprosuccess.com, which is my blog that I write, you know, mostly on sales and marketing, I am an actual contractor myself. And, you know, I've started and grown a company to a rather sizable size for a home service operation. But, uh, you know, today, I think something that a lot of people want to hear about is how to compete as big names commoditize home services. And by this, I'm talking about the Home Advisors, the Angie's List, the House, the Yelp. All these companies are moving into the home service space, trying to basically compete with you for your own advertising space and out-advertise you and then sell you your business back to you. And it's something that's frustrating for a lot of contractors. And it's affecting my business as well. Not it's not affecting my business as much as it is some other, you know, trades. I'm in the patio and deck screen enclosure space. There's not a lot going on there yet, but we're seeing a big encroachment, particularly in the HVAC, plumbing, electrical trades. Those uh, those trades are really getting dominated by a lot of big names that are coming through. Hmm. No, that's true. I, I see that a lot just in our end. We see that a ton. Um, it is a problem. So can you yeah, just- it is. It is. I mean, you know, if you go back, like, let's just take search engine results from five years ago. You know, five years ago, you would have, you know, user would type a search, and at the time, SEO is, well, was and still is, you know, very popular. But, you know, getting up to the top was very lucrative. And if you've had top rankings for the last five years, you've certainly noticed the return is has gone down. You're not getting as much business from having good, you know, SEO as you were five years ago. And why is that? Well, you see, you know, Google is trying to kind of monopolize the whole internet. So they're trying to provide all of the information that a user looks for in Google without letting them go back to your website. And, uh, you know, what was five years ago, you know, you'd have a search page and up at the top there would be three ads and they'd be very distinguishable as an ad. They'd kind of have like a yellow background and they would say ad right next to them. And then underneath of that, you know, you'd have your actual SEO results. Well, now, Today, when you do a Google, particularly for anything local related, you know, you're going to see your ads up at the top. And the ads don't look so much like ads anymore. Most internet users probably don't even realize they are ads at this point. You know, Google has kind of camouflaged them to make them look like they're organic results. And then below that, you might see some what are called snippets, which are like an accordion uh, type of display that Google puts in there to, you know, kind of take snippets, little chunks of text from websites that you think might be, or that they think might be helpful, and they'll display that on their search page. And then below that, they've got the, um, they've got the Google map with 
you know, your business profile and your views. And I think in some cases now they're even starting to take, uh, or maybe not take it out, take out the link to your website, but making it harder to find and trying to keep you, you know, consistent in Google. And then in your plumbing and HVAC markets, there was recently Google Leads that was launched. Hmm. And, you know, you're getting those up there. So, you know, what was, you know, some very identifiable ads and then SEO results. Now you've got, you know, ads that are camouflaged, then you've got your map, then you've got your lead ads, and then, you know, you've got snippets up there. And then somewhere way down below that is all the SEO results. So, you know, it's clear from that trend, you know, that Google is trying to keep everybody in their system. And that includes capturing home service customers as well and selling leads to companies that will pay. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm seeing a bit of a shift in the area, and you're right. Um, we've heard from a lot of our clients too that Google ads are not, you know, Google is not as effective as it was a few years ago. So, no, no, I'm, I'm glad to hear that from you because I, you know, I'm noticing that myself, and you know, proactively taking steps to market my business in other ways. So. What do you see as a potential uh, counteractive? What, what can the listeners do to counteract that problem? Oh gosh, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot. But um, you know, I think one other thing kind of before we get into that, you know, that we have to touch on is, you know, besides Google and all that, you've got Amazon. Amazon, obviously the world's largest retailer and they've launched their Amazon Home Services. So they've kind of turned their thing into a marketplace. and. That's you know posing a challenge because now contractors are commoditized with any of these uh, with any of these types of platforms. They're essentially commoditizing the contractor and they're saying, well, don't worry about who you're hiring, don't care about their brand, don't care about the reputation. You know we're just going to find contractors with a reputation and kind of private label them. They're not doing that, but they're trying to get as close to that as they can without you know crossing legal boundaries and incurring liabilities. Um, you know so they're trying to make it so you don't even know who you're contacting. And you know, you've got Amazon Home Services doing that. Uh, and they've got a marketplace of sorts where you can kind of buy a one-off service. It's one-off, usually a small service like an install or something like that. They've got moving on there, landscaping too. And I know the moving and landscaping categories are actually doing extremely well for Amazon and growing rapidly. Uh, mm -hmm. Amazon has shifted a lot of attention into those categories. So we've got that and then you've got who else is out there? You got Home Advisor, which is a lead generation platform. I'm sure you know about Home Advisor. I'm sure everyone listening knows about Home Advisor and how they, you know, how they will sell you leads for $100 a pop, and they also sell that same lead to six other people. And from there, it's nearly just a race to the bottom, you know. So it's not just Google, you know. Even though I started off talking about Google, there's 101 other big brand names out there, and by that I mean companies that you know are valued into the billion, well, I shouldn't say billions, but several hundred million, in essence, significantly larger than, you know, our small businesses. They've got, you know, very sharp brains working on data marketing to capture all these leads and then sell them back to you. And it's tough to compete with them. And, you know, I, I don't want to say this, but I think that we could be in a situation to where we kind of go to what it was like being in the hotel industry 15 years ago, you know, before Travelocity, Expedia, and Orbitz kind of caught on. You know, before then, hotels didn't need to be associated with these brands, and then, you know, there was a shift in the companies that, you know, put their hotels on these major booking websites, you know, excelled, and they stayed around, and then the brands that did not, they kind of got left by the wayside. And I think we might be at a turning point where, as home service providers, we can't just stand back and say, you know, I don't like that, I'm not going to be a part of it. 
that is the trend and these services are growing. They're growing in user base and their users are happy. Home Advisor users are happy. Um, the Amazon Home Service people are happy and they're gonna keep going back to them and telling, you know, telling their friends and the user base is gonna grow for these things. We're at a point where we need to seriously, as home service business owners, start looking at how we can work with these brands and not just say, you know, this is a fight I'm not going to go down and I'm just going to stand on the sideline. You know, and uh, that's kind of where we are. So that leads back to, you know, your question, what can we do? Yeah, let's just touch for a quick moment on the Amazon story. I, in, in home, home Advisor, I won't get into that. We have, you know, a lot of contractors I work with, over 150, and I hear both sides of the fence. I hear some contractors are unhappy with Home Advisor, some love it, so I think there's different reasons why. Um, I'm always curious, now like Amazon, you're right, Amazon is kind of like the, the, the big, the big uh, what do you want to call it, the big service in everything they do. And Yeah, I mean, they're, they're certainly, I mean, they're certainly a Goliath, but I mean, yeah. you know, when you say mm -hmm. that, you know, Amazon, Home Advisor, uh, Angie's List, House, I mean, they're all operating with marketing budgets and marketing resources that absolutely dwarf the resources of any trades business. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, they're all, they're all Goliaths relative to who we are. Yeah, that's true. And it, it kind of bothers me, you know, back in the, the 80s and 90s, there was a thing here local called Ernst hardware store and they launched this type of a service it crashed pretty quick because there was no control and I'm curious because I don't hear from a lot of homeowners but and you're saying that a lot of homeowners are happy with the Amazon service because um, they can call three different plumbers and or electricians or you name it and they're all going to give different service but you're, from what you're saying I'm understanding that it's actually working for Amazon uh, yeah, so you know, I mentioned the landscaping and moving spaces. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, that might not be you know a ton of your listeners. They they're not necessarily contractors. I guess landscaper they are in an essence contract. They do operate the similar in a similar fashion, mm -hmm. but their services are more subject to commoditization than others. You know, five room house. You know, we do all this yada yada. Um, of course, there can be problems, but yeah, the level of service that customers are getting from it is actually uh, is actually turning out to be quite well for them. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, mind you, those are two areas where it's easy to kind of control the level of service and there's not a not a wide range in the level of service that can be provided there. But, you know, their Amazon is essentially holding everyone's payments captive. From what I hear, mm -hmm. I, I shouldn't say holding payments captive, but they're in some way uh, pegging your customer's satisfaction to your ability to get paid. You know, so, so it's highly incentivized that you have to keep that customer happy. Otherwise, you do not get paid at all, and Amazon will put up a fight for you in that case, um, or put up a fight against you for the customer. Sure. So, yeah, so they're motivating people to do it. And it's landscaping and moving are the two fastest-growing categories on there that I've seen. And you can look up and see the reviews that people are leaving you know, on their Amazon moving service or whatever, and people are leaving great reviews on it. Uh, and then from there, you've kind of got plumbing and HVAC. And what a lot of companies in that space are doing is starting off with some type of a low-value service, maybe a loss leader, an intro product, something like that. Install a, you know, install a faucet, do a AC tune-up, something like that, something that they can offer at a moderately fixed price 
do it pretty quick. There's not a lot of variable in it. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, get the customer into, into their system, into the product chain and try to keep the customer, you know, on their own, which is, which is really how you're going to have to compete. I mean, I've got, you know, several ways we can do it here, but that's kind of the intro, you know, and if you're in one of those trades, start looking towards a product ladder. And that basically means we sold the customer this. Now, what are we going to do to get them to, you know, something that we can actually make money on? And how likely are they to actually, you know, go on and buy from us after they bought, you know, this intro, intro product. And most companies do that now in the service space. We all have a service division and then a larger install division. But when you're, you know, throwing your service in at such a low price to get in on these Amazon style platforms or Angie's List marketplace, you really have to know your numbers and you really have to know, you know, what percentage of people are converting so that you can understand is it worth it or not. In essence, you know, it's not, this isn't the end of marketing and sales as we know it, but really you got to step up your game and look at things with a funnel approach and say, all right, you know, hey, we're going to sell this thing here and we're going to break even. You know, how many of these do we need to sell to know that, you know, in six months we're going to sell this other product and then really make our money there. You really, really have to know your numbers here when you're getting into this stuff and look at stuff from a much, much uh, different perspective than in the past. No, that makes sense. So I, from what I hear what you're saying is that the contractors need to really pay closer attention to the numbers and their marketing and, and how effective it is. And you use the word funnel as well. So that's, I like to... Uh, yeah, you know, so I mean, because you're, you're in a tough pickle. I mean, no doubt about it, this puts us all in a tough pickle, okay? You sell, you put your faucet installation service on Amazon, somebody buys a new faucet, they select your service, you go out there and do it. Well, at that time, that customer doesn't want to hear your sales pitch. Now, you know, I know that we've all got our sales pitches and I know that we're all going to try to swing them and they are effective. Some of us are more effective at, you know, kind of getting an upsell right on the spot. But nobody really wants to hear it and you run the risk of getting bad feedback if you try too hard to sell. You know, we've all done it. You know, your guy came out here for a service and all he did was try to sell, 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 sell. And then I bought and made a deposit, but now I want my money back. And if you don't give it back, I'm going to leave a bad review. You know, so that oh, stuff comes yeah. up and it's just as likely to come up, if not more likely to come up. So you have to be more strategic with your selling. And that means going out there, just doing the service, making the customer happy at that point. Now you need to have a marketing funnel and a way to nurture them and guide them into whatever the next product or service is in your product ladder. You know, so whether that's email marketing, uh, Facebook advertising is what I'm using. So that way you are always in, in front of them, you're always in their face wherever they're engaging and you've got that open line of conversation with them. You're showing them how and why they need this service and most importantly, why they should come back to you for it. And most contractors don't have that, you know, don't have that infrastructure in their marketing. They, you know, they rely on, hey, we're gonna go out there and do the service. We're gonna do the service call. Our guy will, you know, suggest that maybe they should do this uh, full replacement of their AC system if they were out there on an AC service call. Our guy will suggest that, and then we're just going to kind of hope that they come back to us in the future when they need it. Mm. Well, you know, unfortunately, that's not going to work because in the future, what are they going to do? They're going to go back to the Amazon or the Home Advisor, and then you know, start shopping around for their, you know, the next service provider. Our, our attention spans are limited. Our mm -hmm. memories are limited. 
So you have to have some type of marketing system so that you are constantly in front of the customer from the time you do that, you know, loss leader style service until they buy the next service. And then you have to have the marketing metrics in place to track them all the way through the funnel so that you know that, hey, after they get that 30 day email, X number of people, you know, have bought. By the time they get the 60 day email, X number of people have bought. And then you can start looking at it and saying, hey, let's change that 60 day email and see if we can't, you know, increase our conversions from there. But you really have to capture the customer and stay with them through the whole process. And, um, you know, it, it's, I'm not going to tell you it's easy to do. It's actually quite difficult to do. But the companies that can and will do that will be the ones that thrive as these things become commoditized. Right. Oh, you are so right. It's survival of the most adaptable. That's survival of the most adaptable. You know, and I think we're at a crucial turning point. I mean, I wouldn't say we're there. You know, I can't say that you know these companies are going to take over and it's going to become like the hotel industry, where if you don't jump on board with Expedia, Travelocity, and Orbitz, you're out of business. I don't think it's you know ever going to get to that point. But we're at a point where these companies have proven that they can stay in this industry, that they can do kind of well, and that you know most importantly, our customers are going to them. So there needs to be a plan in place and you need to be ready to take action, you know, to, uh, to kind of stay in the game if you really want to have a seriously growing company. I, I agree with you completely. And it's funny too, on the hotel front, um, I have some friends that invest in hotels and what, I'm, what they're telling me is that hotels are, are now in some cases having to convert the rooms to condos in order to survive in some cases. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you got the Airbnb thing and the VRBO mm -hmm. and so many people when they travel now, they don't even look, they don't even think of a hotel. They just go right to Airbnb. Airbnb, I mean, this is, Airbnb became the largest hotel operation in the world in the matter of like three years and they don't even own a single physical building. How crazy is that? Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that, but, that's but true. one thing that totally defies me. Me too, Corey. It really does. It is astounding. It really is. But yeah, I guess the good news is that for forward thinkers like yourself, there's always an answer. Yeah, Corey, I, I see what's happening. I have some friends and people that invest in hotels, and they're telling me that in some cases, hotels are having to convert rooms into condominiums and sell them in order to survive because of the price pressure of the various like Airbnb you mentioned and other, you know, Travelocity and uh, those kind of places. So yeah, I, yeah. I mean, so the, how does that, you're right. How does that relate to the contractor and what you're saying about Amazon? Okay, well, you know, four years ago, before there was Airbnb, you know, these hotel companies thought they had it made. Things were going well. They'd never seen this coming. Now suddenly here comes this, you know, crazy tech company with all kinds of money and what happens, they, in three years, become the world's largest hotel company without even owning a single building. And the only way that you, know, you can compete with that, because you've got a whole generation of people, myself included, who don't even think about looking for a hotel, we just go to Airbnb, you've got a whole generation of people you need to reach, and if you don't adapt and figure out a way to adapt your business model to work with this, you're going to get left behind. Now, you know, I, I don't want to send out a message of fear because we're not at that point, but we're 
we're there. We're, we're getting to the turning point, you know, and, and it's kind of on the horizon. These companies have shown that they have some staying power and that they're not something that should be overlooked. And, uh, you know, as I said with Google, and I think you mentioned earlier on in the beginning, your clients that were, you know, really big on using Google and SEO, they're starting to see less and less of a return from that because yes. Google is kind of phasing out, you know, their own websites and trying to kind of control the, control the whole atmosphere. And that's what we're going to start seeing from multiple other angles. So with that, you know, with that kind of shift happening and other companies getting into the space that have much, you know, much deeper marketing pockets than we do, it's seriously time to, you know, look at working with these companies as opposed to fighting them and, you know, seeing how we can still have a thriving business um, and participate in what they've got to offer. So you're suggesting that contractors listening to this, and by the way, we have a lot of landscape contractors that we work with, mm -hmm. um, no movers yet, but are you suggesting that all contractors, handyman, landscapers, trade contractors, everybody should um, be aware of these services and figure out a way to embrace them and use them to their advantage rather than ignore them? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's not affecting your business yet, you know, if your business is still rapidly growing, that's fine. You know, just keep in mind these things are out there and, you know, kind of listen to the things I say, particularly, um, you know, product laddering. That's going to be a key one in some industries. It's already key in your plumbing and HVAC, electrical a bit, landscaping. You know, having a product that you can come in and sell at a low price, maybe even take a loss on and then a marketing funnel to pull them into larger business. You know, keep that stuff in mind. Start thinking of what kind of intro product you're going to have you know, as things go on. But aside from that, because the product ladder and the way I'm, you know, the way I'm talking about a product ladder and then you need a sales funnel, that is daunting. You know, let's talk about some other things that, sure. you know, local businesses can do that aren't so daunting that will kind of provide some differentiation there. Okay. What do you have? Yeah, All right. Well, first up, I would say work vehicles. Having the vehicles wrapped and just always looking great so that people always see them and notice them on the highway. I think a lot of contractors overlook that. But if you look at any of your major franchises, your big, your big home service franchises, the electrical, HVAC, and plumbing, you'll notice they, they don't spare any expense on their wrap. And there's good reason for that. You know, a catchy wrap that looks good and really stands out will really pay dividends, you know, as opposed to just a white van or a white truck with lettering and logo. You know, that, you know that's better than having nothing. Um, but when you do the full wraps on there, uh, it certainly certainly yields some good results, and that's why you see you know the really big companies that again have the marketing data pushing this so hard. And when you think about it, I guess I'll tell you my own story on wrapping a vehicle. So sure, please. My company actually most of our vehicles are the plain white trucks with the lettering and our logo on the side, and yeah, they look good. They look professional. But we recently decided about six months ago one of the new trucks, we were going to get it wrapped. This was going to kind of be our experiment, you know, and I, I noticed this, that, you know, your larger chains were doing this with the full wraps and they're, they're doing quite well with them. And it's like, wherever you go, you see their vehicles. So mm -hmm. we sent off our new truck to get wrapped and put it into service. Right. Okay. And, um, it's blue. It's kind of like a light neon blue almost. And then it's, you know, got some text on it. So it's blue and you want to go with a bright color. If you're doing this blue, there's one company doing pink. Yellow is always a good one. A neon green style stands out well. Um, we put lo and behold, it seems like all the phone calls we get, they all mention this blue truck and they don't realize that there's only one of them, but they're like, but we see your trucks everywhere. Those blue ones. And we're like, well, there's only one of them. 
but uh, it's it, great. <laughs> so it's it's just just like it stands out so well, you know, nobody mentions the plain white trucks and I don't really think anybody sees them. There's a million plain white lettered work trucks out there on the road. But now, you know, you've got people seeing this, seeing this one blue truck and if they see it, you know, on a Monday and then they might see it, you know, on a Thursday, they just feel like we've got multiple trucks out there. Oh, and really, it's just one. And uh, yeah, so it, the, the kind of compounding effect or the, the effect of just this one truck that's always noticeable, you know, whereas people, I'm sure people see, you know, our same trucks all the time on the road, but they just never notice it. We got this one truck out there and they're, they're just crossing paths with it multiple times during the week and they hmm. see it from 500 feet away. They think that, you know, there's 30 or 40 of these blue trucks out there and it's all the same one. Uh, so I'm really excited actually to get more of the vehicles wrapped. I actually need to get that on my priority list as it's, on the forefront of my mind right now, but sure. getting more of the trucks wrapped because it's just gonna kind of multiply exponentially. Now you've got two trucks out there and they might actually see two trucks, but how many are they gonna think that they've seen? So yeah, getting the wrapping done I think is really powerful and that's gonna you know take your presence from not relying so much online mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and putting it kind of out there in the real world. So you know, we got that. Um, getting involved locally. That's something a lot of contractors don't do, but you know, maybe set up some time or dedicate some of your um, employees' time to working with some you know, non-profits or something. There's usually some type of non-profit uh, program that you can provide services to to help needy folks. In our area, we've got a disabled veteran home service organization. I forget exactly what the name is, uh, but they provide, you know, they work with contractors to provide services to disabled veterans in our area, which we have a fairly high population of, you know, in, in your area, there might be something else, but work with those companies, you know, and publicize it, you know, let people know that, you know, you do actively help and are involved in the community. That's right. something that you just can't, you know, that's going to be totally different than just buying leads. And, uh, you know, when you, market and publicize your community involvement that's further leverage and that's a differentiator because nobody else is doing it so few other contractors are doing it no that's true and i totally remember some behind that um disabled veterans oh yes we, absolutely what a great idea i hope people <laughs> listening to this contractors you know really take a take a page there because that is fantastic they're doing something good for the community yep. and they're feedback it's going to be phenomenal oh yeah yeah 100%. absolutely and i i think so many contractors just overlook it you know they they want to spend money on marketing uh, and they will spend money on marketing but when you bring up something like this mm -hmm. so many people are like i mean we're just so busy we're so far out i i can't i can't send my crew to go do a you know a charity project for the day but look at it in terms of marketing okay you're going to send your crew over there um, you can even add in your opportunity cost, the amount of revenue that your crew would have completed or earned that day had they not mm -hmm. been you know, doing charity work. Call that your cost. Call that your advertising cost. Try sure. it and see how that does for your business. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be like direct response marketing where you know, you're doing pay-per-click and you see, an exact, um, you see an exact figure and you see how many calls you get from it. You're not going to see that type of response it's hard to measure but as you go through and especially if you're consistently doing this you know say one every quarter do one charity project every quarter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're it's going to build momentum and you're just going to start getting getting those phone calls hey we seen you did that project that was so nice we need an estimate from you guys and that's something that you know your your big names your amazons home advisors and googles of the world can never do they can never touch that they can't get anywhere close to that 
And it's so simple, it's so easy to do, and so powerful. Oh, that's true. Oh, Corey, you just nailed something there. You are right. That is guerrilla marketing 101. It is. It is. Yeah, it is. that's powerful. Oh, my God, yep. that's powerful. I hadn't thought of that. And they, you're right, they can't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you have that. I mean, I, when I'm looking into it, I really don't consider who my, you know, who my target audience is or whatever. We just focus on, hey, let's do something good for the community. Yes. And, you know, likewise, let's let everyone else know about it. And that will lead business back to you. You know, and like I said, you can't take the approach of a direct response marketer and be like, okay, we did a charity project. How many new projects do we have to sell this month? You know, you can't do that. You, you have no, to do no. it consistently. Do it consistently over time, you know, say, mm -hmm. you know, allocate some budget and say do four projects this year, one a quarter, you know, and then at the end of the year, see what you think about it. And quite frankly, I would be surprised if you, you know, if, if you have a bad experience or say that you didn't make your money back 10 times over on it. I, I agree with you. No, that makes so. perfect sense. It, it does work out. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're all in this together. So absolutely. Boy, that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought of that. And, and that is a great... You are so right. The Amazons, yep. the uh, the other places out there. The yeah, they, they can't touch it. They can't no. make a personal connection like that. They never will, you know. And nope. and that type of story, you know, in the in the realm of social media, that mm -hmm. type of story resonates on social media because I do a lot of social media advertising. I'm really big on Facebook advertising. I've mm -hmm. done a course on. I've done a few courses where I teach my Facebook advertising methods. But everyone always wants to run this, you know ad that says, oh, contact me to get an estimate. I do this service for this price. And that mm -hmm. stuff doesn't work on Facebook. Nobody wants to share your ad about you know, how you can paint the interior of their home. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. That's just not socially, uh, I don't want to say it's not socially acceptable, but that's not socially intuitive. Right. But what people do want to share is they do want to share the story of how your company helped this person that had a need. That's shareable. So if you want to, if you want to get into social media marketing, you know, helping others in the community is a great way to go. And uh, I guess that'll kind of segue into the next topic here. Uh, I was okay. going to kind of roll through two more that are fairly intertwined uh, about offline marketing, and then at the end, you know, we'll kind of go back into some more online stuff. But use your story, your story as a business owner or as an employee or manager with a business. Use that story to connect with your customers. And you know, if you're doing uh, selling one-off services, or if you're just buying leads, you know, either way that you're going through these major names, use your story. Let people know why you're in business, how you got started. Make the company personable. Let people mm. know who's behind it. Don't just be you know a brochure or a screen on the website or a screen on their computer or a website on their computer screen. That makes much more sense. Yeah. Don't be that. You want to have a story. Let other people know your story. It's the most powerful differentiator you can find, and the best thing is, is it's free if you just start telling people about it. Okay, so are you telling that you're talking to the contractor? Let's say let's pick um, let's pick a trade contractor like the HVC contractor. What would that person's story be? How they became an HVC contractor? Or, or... yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you know, HVAC contractor buys a lead from Home Advisor for $150 to go out there and replace the system. So we're going to start off from it's already a system lead, right? So you're in front of the, you know, you're in front of the, um, you're in front of the customer. Do you, do you just want to be contractor number three that showed up, 
or do you want to be different? Do you want to be memorable? The story is what's going to make you memorable. So here's what your story is going to be. And uh, I'm going to tell this as if you're the owner, but a lot of you guys listening probably are not out there doing all the sales yourself. So I've got a good blog post online, which I guess, Randall, you can link to in the show notes. And part of that, you know, guides you through creating your own story and how to use your story. But I've got a section in there on how employees can use the story as well, because I'm also not out there selling my company myself. So my, my employees have to do it. But start off by talking about when the company was started, how it came to be started, how the owners, um, you know, kind of made it, what challenges the owners faced. And as you're telling those challenges, your customers will relate to that and they'll relate to other challenges they've experienced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then keep going where the company is now and where the company needs to be. Tell the company's story and employees can do it too. So often, it, you know, everyone thinks it's just an owner's story, but it's not. Tell the company's story and the employee can say, hey, here's how I came to be with the company and here's how working with this company or working for this company has made a difference in my life and put a personal touch into it. Employees can do it too, and it, it's something that, uh, you know, it can be as simple as just telling the customers when you're out there on an estimate, hey, so how did you hear about us? Okay, so you really don't know much about our company. Oh, no, we don't. Well, we got started back in 2012. It was just myself and my business partner. We had actually done screen enclosure work in high school as teenagers, and you can tell I'm quite young right now, but that was about eight years ago. So we started the business. We'd actually had a conversation about starting it back when we were in high school. We we're still friends through college and we still worked in the trades doing permitting and sales. So, you know, we learned how to do it when we were really young. Then we learned how to kind of manage the business through college. And then one day we're nearly at that point of graduating college. One of us says to the other, hey, remember when we were back in high school and we talked about starting a, you know, a company like this? And the other one of us said, yeah, now's the time. And then we, you know, we decided to get licensed, get set up and do it. And in the very beginning, I mean, we only had a few hundred dollars. We had one pickup truck. We didn't even have magnets to go on the door. We didn't have a website and somehow we were in business, you know, and here were the challenges we faced. And now today, obviously, you know, you look at our company and you don't associate our company with two 22 year olds and one pickup truck. You see a multi-million dollar company image, but that's where we came from. And most days, it's either myself or my business partner that's the first one there in the morning, and one of us is the last one to leave. You know, and that puts a human touch behind it, and customers remember that stuff, so that you're just not, in my case, the screen guy that came out to do an estimate. You want to differentiate yourself and use your story so that you're not just the fill-in-the-blank, your trade guy, the HVAC guy, the plumbing guy, the contracting guy. You don't want to be that guy. You want them to remember you as something else, and story is what will make that happen. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. That really does. Because then you're making that human connection, that people-to-people -people connection. Yep. And so people uh, know, like, and trust you as a contractor. Absolutely. In, in your case, as a screen uh, enclosure company. So you're not just a screen enclosure company. No. You're Corey Phillips. I know Corey. I like yep, Corey. Exactly. I trust Corey. Yes. We're, we're a living, living company, not just a, not just you know, I don't know, Globo company that doesn't care about their customers. You know, we're, we're a company that they can relate to and connect with on a personal level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, that makes and, a lot of sense. That really. And does. you know, for, from mm -hmm. there, that builds into the next thing, and that's just appreciation. Uh, I use this all the time. So many people ask me, you know, have you ever had success with a referral program? And I have honestly not had any success with referral programs. I mean, they've had a little traction, but by and large, they are just more trouble and more headache than they're worth. And when you ask somebody for a referral, 
you, you kind of make it into like a job for them, you know, and you don't want that. You want people to naturally refer you and appreciation is the way to do it. You know, you want customers to feel like they are appreciated for being your customer. And so many customers of home service businesses in general just don't feel appreciated. And you might be able to relate to that as a, you know, as a consumer, you just kind of feel like, well, you're just customer number, whatever your customer number is, customer number 3000 who bought a new sink and install today. And we're going to do that. We're going to collect money and move on. You know, you really want to make them feel appreciated. And if you look at, we'll go back to hotels. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at them, a lot of the hotel chains that do really well and the ones that you want to keep going back to, they don't really do anything differently. Their beds aren't more comfortable. Their room isn't any better. You know, their shower isn't better. The water is hot. The, you know, the, the sheets are comfy, whatever it is. What do they really do? They make you feel appreciated at every step of the way from the moment you walk in until, you know, until you eat that last continental breakfast and walk out the door. You feel appreciated and you almost feel like you know the people are at the front desk. So even though you stayed there one night, the next morning you're saying, you know, bye, John, thanks for everything. You got to get the same effect from your service company. You want your customers to feel like people and well, make that connection so that they feel like they know you. But really, just focus on making them feel appreciated after every phone call, every point of contact. Yeah, thank you so much for your business. I mean, we're really happy to work with you. Let us know if there's anything further we can do. That'll just pay, that'll pay dividends, you know, that, that you just can't count up. Making customers feel appreciated so that after, you know, they found you on your Amazon or Home Advisor, whatever platform you're using, after they find you on that, they remember you and they want to come back to you. That makes so much sense, and, and you're so right. Uh, we, sure, I travel occasionally, and uh, we, we do. There's one particular chain. I, gosh, this is nuts. I'm drawing a blank. I think it's the Radisson. I can't remember. That we stay at quite a bit, and it's so funny because we can go to Miami, Florida, and for a conference or something, and stay there for three or four days, and we come in, and and I know it's all scripted. But exactly, yeah. But we, we uh, walk up to the front desk, and oh, hi, Mr. and Mrs. DeHart, how are you? How was your flight? Exactly. My flight was long. You know, we came from Seattle, (laughs) coast to coast. It was very long. And we've been a few times. We've actually came in late. And I asked, is there some place we can get a quick snack? And said, you know, we knew you were coming in late. Um, And the restaurant normally closes at 930. But the the chef agreed to stay open for another, you know, hour if you'd like to uh, have a meal. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the meal is expensive, but talk about service. I mean, that's happened once or twice. It's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, exactly. We don't stay anyplace else but there. It's on the water. Yeah, so I've, I've got a kind of story like this here, and I'll just tell this because this is kind of weird. Yes, um, but uh, if you ever see, well, elevators, they've got the little gap in between where you get into the elevator and the elevator itself. So you got this little crack. And uh, I'm coming into a Marriott a couple of years ago. And this is like midnight. I've been traveling for 14 hours or something. And I've got, you know, mm-hmm. dragging a suitcase and got a key in my hand. And I kind of pull the suitcase over that crack. And lo and behold, I drop the rental car key into this crack. And I am going, damn, like this is going to be bad <laughs> news. And <laughs> yes. I am in, I'm in, you know, I'm way out there in, uh, in um, British Columbia, actually. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm, there, there's no rental kiosk near me. There is no, you know, there's no rental car company that's really going to save me at least on the low cost i'm like this is going to cost me a thousand dollars like this is going to be bad news you mm-hmm. know and at this point it's like midnight i go to my room i go to sleep i'm like i'll deal with this in the morning but i went down to the desk and uh you know told the guy i'm like look 
I must be the first idiot in history to ever do this, but the key is down, down in the elevator shaft. And uh, you know, he's like, you know, no problem. You know, we'll figure out a way to get it fixed. You know, just go about your day. I'll call you, you know, in an hour when I let you know what to do. We, we really don't have any protocol for this, but we'll, we'll figure something out. So mm -hmm. he called me in an hour and he said, we got your key back, Mr. Sizz. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that was great, <laughs> you know? And, You're kidding. Uh, yeah, and I, well, even better, I go, so what is this gonna cost me? And I, I know, this, I'm thinking this is gonna be a few hundred dollars, but ultimately cheaper than having this car towed back to the rental agency a few hours away, you know, or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm expecting to hear a $500 number in my head. And he said, no charge. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Wow. Oh and my uh, gosh. From that point on, I mean, I am just incredibly loyal to that brand. And, you know, it, it's hard to do that. It's hard to kind of, you know, throw that loss up front and do that for our customers. But they really appreciate it. And it generally pays off in the long run when we're willing to do small things like that and just make our customers feel appreciated. You know, you don't, you don't need to give out fancy steak dinners to earn referrals. You don't need to give a 10% kickback. Just make your customers feel appreciated at every point of contact they have. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is so powerful. I, I can relate. I've never done that, but I can see, you know, someday I probably would do that. <laughs> and I do the same thing you did. You know, kind of like, uh oh, what's okay, fine. I, my problem, I'm going to fix it. Yeah. But yep. sure, if they fixed it within an hour and didn't charge yeah. you, oh my gosh, you know. That was, uh, yeah, that was it. They have a customer for life. Oh my gosh, I love yeah. that. And that was a Marriott? That was a Marriott, yep. Okay, I think I've stayed in the Marriott's a few times. Um, Good experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they do the appreciation thing really well. So that's yeah, certainly right. a certainly a good brand to look from. And you know, obviously, in our service business, we don't have to go to that level. I'm not saying that you have to you know study up on Marriott and start doing everything they do, uh, mm -hmm. or you know, nearly to that extreme. But just a little bit more appreciation than what you have been is going to go a, a lot further than what any of your other competitors that are just kind of treating them as just another customer or just another project on the books while they focus on getting the next customer. A um, little bit more appreciation will help everybody. Amazing. You're right. It is amazing. Um, it's certainly unique. Possibly, you know, the HVAC company, you know, just everybody has a different business model. Maybe they're just out there to get a new system, you know, and they already, you know, they, they got the new systems and a lot of companies, you know, on their service departments just kind of look at that as a lost leader. Uh, towards ultimately getting a new system. Mm -hmm. You know, who, who knows what it is? I mean, it, it's certainly surprising. Uh, you know, maybe I would think that it would be worth it to keep in touch with you in some way there, but um, you, know, you, don't, you don't, don't know what it is, but how, I mean, did they do a good job? Did you feel appreciated or is that something they could work on as well? And you're because, right. you were, because you were kind of going above and beyond and doing some things that were outside the scope of what you were, of the, outside the scope of the minimum that you were supposed to do. Yeah, and when you get ready to sell a business, that's what you're selling. You're selling those service contracts, that repeatable income. Does well. So I got one other thing up my sleeve here. Um, I think yes, this please. is quite important. Yeah, and it should have. Um, it probably should have been. I should have pulled this up in the beginning. And you know, do keep in mind this actually isn't too structured. I've just got a couple little notes on a piece of paper in front of me here because that I've put together as I've been thinking about this for my own business. So it's not like we had a. Not like we had a certain structure interview to go through here, so we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants for those out there listening. But um, you know, I should have pulled this up earlier on when we were talking here, when I was talking about uh, Amazon Home Services and then having a funnel essentially in a product ladder. And I was talking about, you know, hey, you can use Facebook ads, 
email marketing to pull them on. Well, what about for the people that come through Home Advisor, right? When they come oh, okay. through Home Advisor, okay. they make a, they make an estimate request, and then this lead gets sent off to however many other people. The usually the number I usually hear is around five, so it gets sent off to five other people to bid on it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, at that point, it's kind of like this game of who can call back first. I know everyone wants to call back fast. That's right. uh, that's you know lead buying 101 right there. If you're buying leads and you're not calling them back within a couple minutes, you're kind of well two steps behind. Right. But automating that and you know at that point getting it set up so that once they make a lead, they go into a marketing funnel, particularly what would be called a remarketing funnel. So as soon as they submit that lead on the home advisor or house or however they do it, a automating your first you know your first message back to them. Um, you can't really automate a phone call, at least not very successfully. But sending them an automated email, it you mm. know appears as though it's real. That would be good. But okay. then putting them into either an email marketing sequence or even better, my favorite, Facebook advertising sequence. You know, mm -hmm. so as soon as they as soon as they click that button, boom, now they're in your audience on Facebook. They already requested, you know, they already requested an estimate, so they're a targeted customer at this point. Now you're advertising to them. And you should be advertising to everybody that's requested an estimate. But you can easily automate the process when they come from a lead generation site like that. Um, I know some people are sending out text messages too. I mentioned sending out an automated email. Uh, I know some people that have it set up to do an auto text like it just basically says, hey, thanks for your, um, thanks for your inquiry. I'm out on a project site right now, but give me a couple hours and I'll call you right back. Ah, and okay. You know, what's interesting about that message, and I know someone that's doing it, he's a concrete contractor, I believe, out in Oklahoma. He, he's doing extremely well with this, is that you already get the customer to start the conversation because what's the natural reply to that text message? Okay. So Exactly. You know, so a lot of people out there are like, well, I call these leads and they never respond or they forget they contacted me. Well, by sending that little message, you're getting the customer to reply and already and opening up that dialogue as opposed to you know having to do it later on in the day or um, having to open up the dialogue, I guess, directly. It's just much more subtle than when you call them up and say, hey, I'm calling about the estimate request that you made on HomeAdvisor. Some people tend to be like, oh, I forgot about that or I don't want it. You know, They're kind of a little abrasive towards that. A lot of people report that when they call their leads that they buy, they report that the customers don't remember submitting the lead. I don't think uh -oh. that's I don't I don't think that they're forgetting that, but I feel like the customer I don't know just doesn't want to acknowledge that they requested an estimate. I, I'm not exactly sure what the psychological, you know, aspect is behind that, but that's what I hear from a lot of people that I've spoke with that are buying leads. And um, you know, someone out there, the guy, the concrete contractor, he's got the text message set up to be automated, so he doesn't have to worry about you know getting to his leads as soon as they come in, and he's already opening that line of communication. So the com the company customer is more comfortable when he, he does make that call to them. So that's pretty uh, pretty cool and I know he's doing quite well with that and he's one of the people that I know actually uh, actually buys leads from homeowner and isn't unhappy about it. You know, as you mentioned, some people either kind of like it or other people don't like it. And I think most people would agree that it would be better if we didn't have to, you know, buy leads from advisors or other lead sources. But if you do, you know, you kind of have to figure out a way to make it work, and that is one great way of making it work. And then from there, 
you know, having your marketing automation set up, whether that's through Facebook or email marketing, I find Facebook uh, much easier, much more cost effective and much more overall effective uh, to kind of nurture your leads than anything else. But having that all set up so it's hands off because none of your, all your other competitors that are out there just buying leads or the other guys buying leads that they're going to be getting bids from, you know, they're just going to say, okay, well, let's schedule an estimate. We'll come on out there. And then after that, you know, the customer is going to get the estimate and have to wait. So through this whole process, you can be serving them up, you know, nice content-based ads on Facebook. You're going to be, you know, a whole light year ahead of everybody else that's not doing that. And in in those ads, use your story to differentiate yourself. So put your story and make that into a Facebook ad and already start using it there. And still tell them your story when you're out there in person. Corey, that makes so much sense. And you need to, I need to segue some. This is really important. Um, I understand what you're saying about, about funnels and lead generation and mm -hmm. uh, a little bit about Facebook advertising, not a lot. But what you just said was very, very powerful because I'm hearing a lot of contractors using Facebook with success. Um, do you have a method that you could teach, show, sell contractors on how to do that very thing? Because that is a huge opportunity. Someone, they bought a lead from the home advisor and I'm sure somebody's listening to this right now and saying, oh my gosh, how do I do that Facebook retargeting or remarketing? Do you have a method that you can share? Yeah, um, well, you know, in the nature of a podcast, I can't really explain it, but um, it's no, not, yeah, it's not too long. Yeah, so um, you can go over to my website, homeprosuccess.com, and, uh, you know, navigate your way around there and look for the Facebook advertising course. I've done it twice now. And in that course, I teach you know a full funnel that's intended to generate leads, and then also nurture your people that have requested an estimate, and then connect with your past customers. Uh, we called it the Home Pro Success Formula for Facebook Advertising. I did it twice, and the students that went through it absolutely love it. I mean, they're just you know tearing it up now on Facebook ads with it, because most people go about Facebook in the wrong way. They don't go through, and they don't um, they don't really make it content based, etc. You really need to make your ads content-based. You need to throw out everything you know about advertising. Forget about what you know about pay-per-click advertising. Don't even consider print advertising. And make your Facebook ads totally different. So there's a total game-changer there. But yes, I do teach a course on it. Um, I don't have a course scheduled at the moment. I don't know when this will air. But right now, as of recording it, we are in the end of July 2018. Sometime in the fall, I'll probably be queuing that course up again, scheduling it up and uh, opening back up but in that course it'll be very clear you know how to do it all cover specifically how you can get your leads from home advisor dropped into this funnel at the right place right time and how you can start serving them ads and i say this the best 150 dollars in advertising you can spend each month mm -hmm. if i had to cut my advertising budget down to 150 dollars a month okay i would go right to advertising to people that have requested an estimate advertising to them on Facebook. So everybody that I've got that's oh. in the sales pipeline requested an estimate, advertising to them on Facebook. You know, sure. uh, they, they want your services staying in front of them on Facebook so that they're always familiar, familiar with your company and that they're always getting value-added content right where they're engaging in Facebook. You can, mm -hmm. you can serve an audience of at least 1,000 people uh, with just $5 a day on Facebook. So do the math, five times 30 days in a month, $150. I guess unless it's uh, one of the 31-day month, then we'll have to kind of stretch it, $155. But mm -hmm. serving that audience with just $5 a day in ads on Facebook will just do absolutely 
skyrocket you know stuff for your business because people are requesting the estimate they're seeing your ads they're reading your content before they even before you even get out there for the estimate so then you show up for the estimate and I can't tell you how many times they see it and they're like oh hey Corey yeah you look just like your picture online I've already read all your stuff read your blog post and in my head I'm going all right this is already sold you know and from there it's usually a really easy sale and if they need some time to think about it that's no problem because they're still going to keep getting those ads on Facebook um, they're not going to forget about you and people do forget about you that's something that is very overlooked everyone thinks well I went out there I made a good first impression I showed up on time I was scheduled I called 20 minutes before I got there I was clean cut well dressed and I had a nice presentation and handed them a nice flyer they remembered me but if you start looking at data you know, people's memory fades and you quickly, if you haven't differentiated yourself, and many people don't, and there's still room for improvement even if you do, you suddenly just became the, the HVAC guy, the contractor, the screen guy in my case, whatever guy you happen to be, the pool guy. You quickly become that, you know, within, within about 24 hours after your meeting with them, you've just became that guy and you want to avoid doing that. And they forget the name of the company you're with you know, they remember your face, they remember that they met you, but they don't know your company and they usually don't remember what they liked about you. So if you can stay with them even after that point on Facebook ads, so that they're still seeing your content, they will not forget you. And when it comes time to doing the job, they're gonna remember, you know, and call you back and they're gonna remember what was different about you and what was good about you. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And, and you're right, people do forget. I mean, I, I talk they to do. people and They do, sources. I mean, I, I never realized it until I started, um, you know, using this Facebook funnel and advertising to the people that got the estimates because these people would start calling back, you know, and before that never happened. And, you know, once you kind of start doing that and talking to people that you've done estimates before, it's like they've basically just forgotten about you. Even, sure. even sometimes some of the Facebook people would come in and request another estimate. And um, the thing wasn't, they weren't like trying to like skirt a price or get a lower price from one of our other salespeople. They had simply forgotten who we were altogether, you know. So they'd got an estimate. They're seeing our ads, and they just didn't, you know, put this connection together. They totally forgotten who I was and what it was, and you know, they'd say, "Oh, you know, we we need an estimate at this address." And we'd pull them up in the computers, and we'd be like, "Oh, we were actually just out there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you met with Corey, and then suddenly they'd put it all together." You know, they'd be like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I did meet with him. Yeah, well, I just seen your ad on Facebook again." And then at that point, you've got him on the phone, and. Uh, you can kind of go for the close. Well, it was a few weeks ago we did your estimate. Okay. Well, do you have any questions about it? You know, what what are your um, what's holding you back? What are your objections? You know, do some fact finding, and you got them on the phone. And at that point, it's not invasive because they called you. It's not like you're harassing them with a phone call. They called. You. A lot of times at that point, they're like, okay, well, you know, we need to get this done. We like your company, so we'll uh, we'll roll with this. Let's get it written up. Oh, I love that. That makes so much sense. It's a very soft close. Actually, they're, it's not really a close. They're, yeah. You're opening relationships. You're not closing they're they're back. You know what I mean? You're, you're pulling them back to you. Rather than reaching out to them, they're reaching out to you. And it's much easier to sell something when the momentum is working in an inbound, uh, in an inbound direction. Absolutely. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, because at that point, they've seen your Facebook ads. They've, they've consumed some content. They've seen your face, so what they do, they, they, they know, like, and trust you. There's a connection there. Exactly, yeah. I always oh say goodness. that. Use Facebook ads to make the customers know, like, and trust you before you even show up. And that's a, oh, that's a killer component of our sales process here at Gulf Coast Aluminum. What a, what a great idea.
it's a system. It's not a use of system. What a great system. It is a system. It works uh, works 24-7, 365 for me, and uh -huh. I I'm, don't plan on stopping it anytime soon. No, I'm interested uh, if you can kind of keep in touch, maybe um, shoot me an email when time comes and you open up that Facebook advertising again. Um, I'll add that to the show notes. You know, if it's a few months down the road, I'll just add it to the show notes of this podcast and the, the related article that we're going to do. And yeah, absolutely. Maybe you can help promote it, you know, our well, so, you know, for, the, for those people that are listening, um, head on over to homeprosuccess.com and then on the website in the sidebar, you'll see where you can join our Facebook group. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, we got about 500 members in there. You have to be an owner or manager of a home service business, and I do thoroughly vet everyone before they're allowed in. So it's a really nice group of owners and managers only, you know, no gimmicks in there, no salespeople, no no nothing, you know, no, no customers. I mean, this is people that are in the same shoes as you day in and day out trying to grow their business. Join the group if you have, you know, if you ever have those questions or like, I, I'd like to know what somebody else would do in this, you know, in this um, situation. I got this problem. What would you do? A whole group of us in there that'll answer your questions. It's awesome. Really good collaboration. And then when the time comes and I open up the Facebook advertising course again, sometime in fall 2018, there'll be a notification dropped in there, you know, so you'll, you'll get all the notices that you need. To stay in the group and you'll get so much more even if you don't do the Facebook course we cover all kinds of stuff in the group somebody's always asking about something how to find employees how to keep employees uh, you know a problem customer what to do in this situation I started this group about a year ago I wish I would have had this group back when I started the business in 2012 I mean it, it could have really helped me out at that point but um now you know better late than never you know so it's here and it's thriving it's doing well and everyone that's in there you know, just awesome. Corey, that's a great resource. And the people listening to the, this podcast right now, um, I will put a link to Corey's Facebook group in the article and in the podcast show notes as well. So that would be fantastic. Um, I, in fact, I joined the group as well, and I, I don't go in as often as I'd like, but what little I have gone into, I love it. So he's not telling you what to do and how it should work. He's actually yeah, yeah. doing it. That's yeah, so powerful. Thanks for bringing that up, Randall. I actually, um, actually, I just published just this morning, uh, you know, an article about one of my experiments that I was doing on in advertising. We're looking at the AdWords click-to-call ads, mobile call-only ads. Excuse me, and they're they're one of those things where a lot of marketers are kind of pushing them. If you talk to anybody in the marketing space that's trying to sell you some service, they're like, "Oh, you got to get these call-only ads set up." And, you know, I'm obviously very well-skilled in marketing, probably more well-skilled than most of the marketers out there. Mm -hmm. So I set up my, you know, I set up my own experiment and decided to do a test on it and see how they did. And, you know, I found out, hey, these call-only ads don't work. And I guess, Randall, you'll have to drop a link to that article in there. But you can go in and I outline, you know, the whole experiment that I did. Uh, I show you my ads. I show you what they look like. I, you know, show the total amount that I spent, the number of calls. And I'll tell you, they didn't work out well at all. But no marketer is going to tell you that. Somebody that's out there to sell you marketing and advertising services, well, mm -hmm. you know, it's new, unique, and different call-only ads. So they're going to try to, you know, sell you on these. But uh, for my service business, at least, I found them miserably ineffective. I'm going to stick with traditional AdWords ads uh, for the time being, you know, at least for the next couple of years on pay-per-click unless there's something revolutionary. But call-only ads were a, were a big letdown. But if you read any of the marketing literature or listen to anything that – marketing only people not implementation people have they tell you that they're you know the uh they're the new sun they're the new horizon but 
in practice, they're effectively expensive and overrated, in my opinion. Um, okay, you know what? People listening to the show, they're going to be. I'm going to put that link in there as well as a link to uh, Corey's articles. All of his articles are really good. And I had heard about this call only ad. I don't know, maybe a week or so ago. So it's new to me as well, and it looked interesting. But you know, I've been around the block for a number of years, and I'm always suspicious. I hate to tell you this, Corey, but we, we get calls all the time from people saying, "Hey, we'll put you in the first page, uh, first page of Google. Hey, we'll do this. Hey, we'll do that." And I get a chuckle. I get at least we get at least probably three or four or five emails a week on your website's no good. It's garbage. And it's like, okay, great. <laughs> I, I'm familiar with that. Back in the day, yeah. Back in the day, right. I was spending ten, fifteen, twenty thousand a month on yellow page ads. Uh -huh. And every year, the yellow page rep would come back to my office and say, "Hey, your ads crap. We need to fix it." I said, "I know. I had an idiot design it last year. Who was it?" I said, "It was you." <laughs> you know, so I'm real that jaded. That is so true. Yeah, yeah. I am yeah. so jaded on salespeople. I don't want to tell you uh, what I really everything, feel about. You know, every, everything on everything that I publish, uh, anything mm -hmm. on marketing, is stuff that's actually being used in my company. From the Facebook ads to text message, um, text message responders to email marketing automation. If I'm publishing it, it's stuff that I've ran through the ringer tried myself and well if it works out i'm using it still but if it's like a call only ad and it doesn't work out so well it's got an axe and i let you know about it but the facebook ads course that i teach you know you you get a front hand view right into my ads account you know you see the ads that i'm running every single day and you see exactly how they're performing for me so um it, it's no it's no bs it's no latest and greatest in marketing stuff it's the stuff that works no this is so true and so powerful. I, I got to say it again. Corey is an implementation man. If you're a contractor listening to this, please, 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 please listen very carefully. I've been in construction and construction accounting for over 50 years. Corey is an implementation man. He's not an idea man. I have no time for idea people. But when someone is actually in the trenches doing something day in, day out, and says, Randall, this works. He has my attention. I have a lot of respect for Corey. So if you're listening to this podcast, for goodness sakes, get to know Corey, go to his website, join the Facebook page, get some information, rock and roll. Um, and I, I love contractors, but I love contractors like Corey who are, i got to say it again, implementation, not just idea. And I'm looking at your blog here about the uh, call-only ads. This is a great, great article. People have got to see this stuff. It's it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've thought about call-only ads or if you've seen the call-only ads, uh, you know what really got my attention to them was seeing some competitors doing them. And I get you know I get those phone calls. Hey, this is so and so, and we know that your AdWords aren't performing as well because I see that you're not doing the call-only ads. You know, we get, <laughs> we get those dials, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna see what all this uh, see what this mess is on call-only ads. But um, I went, I seen, and. It wasn't. It wasn't anything impressive. So, uh, I, well, I published the article, published the experiment, and everyone can see my results and you know decide for yourself if you want to try it. Maybe in another trade it works, but I can tell you in my trade, um, and if I were in any other trade, I probably wouldn't do anything with it. I'm not doing anything with it right now, and I really wouldn't entertain it for any other trade. So, but yeah, no, go read the article, and you know you can decide for yourself. Thanks. Thanks. You know, you know, I'm I'm glad to hear it. I always like feedback, good or bad. Uh, most of the feedback is good, but I put a lot of time into this. You know, a few hours every week, if not far more than that, uh, into mm -hmm. publishing 
you know, what I'm up to and what's working and all the stuff you need to really grow your service business. Service, contracting, uh, any type of trade business. You're going out to someone's home to do work. is more, uh, more reading than you can do on that website in several months. So go on over there and take a look. Yeah, take a look, spend some time, and, and get to know Corey, especially his Facebook group. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, let me clarify you on that. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't do marketing services. That's, you know, not what this is about. Um, no. You know, I, I, I am interested in teaching more people how to market their business, you know, when I find something that works. But I get a lot of ideas. The only mm -hmm. ones I publish are the ones that work. Or if something doesn't work, I, you know, I publish and say that it doesn't work. So, you know, I try a lot of things, and I do have ideas but at the same time, the ones that I'm publishing and that I'm saying are good, you know, ideas are ones that have been thoroughly vetted and I've tested mm -hmm. myself and, you know, I'm basically publishing what works in my company. So I, I agree completely. And, and you're right. I should make that really clear. I'm not saying that Corey is a, a marketing firm because he's not. No. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not a marketing firm. I, I honestly don't want to do that. I, I would rather, uh, you know, just keep growing my service business and, Truthfully, I mean, my service business does extremely well, but I am just touching the tip of the iceberg of the potential that I can in this trade, in this industry. You know, there's so much more room for growth, and that's where my, you know, my interest is focused on that trade. And, you know, occasionally every couple months I'll put together a course and teach some other people how to help, you know, or teach some other people so that I can help them. And then, you know, I publish the blog because I like writing, and it really helps me to kind of document what I'm doing, you know. So, in the future, if I want to come back to any of these ideas, I can say, oh, hey, this is how I did the call-only ads back then. I got a totally new idea, or you know, maybe they changed something up. Let's try the new variation, and we can see what we did in the past. You know, So it's almost like the blog is like my journal, and mm. I kind of use it for my own, uh, kind of use it for my own sanity, my own sake, and my own benchmark to improve. Sure. And everyone gets a chance to read it, too. So. It's great because there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast. I say the vast majority of contractors listening to our podcast are between startup and a million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. we, we have quite a few contractors over 20 million, but the vast majority are startup to a million, and they are do it yourself everything that they can. So they don't have the resources to hire a marketing firm, but they can easily go to the Facebook page, get some information, look at the call only ads different things to see what does and doesn't work um, exactly yeah I mean so even at the even at the basic level you can at least you know see what's working for me and decide if that's something you know you want to stick your toes into and even mm -hmm. if you're busy and you can't um, you know you can't do the Facebook advertising course yourself or that's not your thing uh, you mm -hmm. know or you don't want to learn AdWords yourself or whatever it is you know maybe you got somebody on your team or uh, in a small business it might be your wife spouse um, friend business partner you know what I mean they could do one yeah. of the courses too and learn it I I really think you really need to have an understanding and solid uh, grasp of how marketing works if you really want to grow the business yourself. And you know, from there, once you learn what's working, you can outsource it and then critique what they're doing. But when it comes to Facebook advertising for contractors, the people that have taken my course will tell you, uh, and I'll tell you this because I can say this confidently: nobody out there is running anything quite like this. This is, you know, this is Amazon level. Amazon level advertisement for a small home service business that, that I'm doing and that I'm teaching. I love it. That's great. Yep. Because that's what we need. We, <laughs> yes. We have to compete. We, we have to. There'll certainly, just... I, as I say, there'll certainly be a wider, you know, gap between them. There'll be some that are just doing very well and others mm -hmm. that are just very, barely struggling, you know, uh, just kind of hanging in there. You know, I, I think the gap is going to widen. 
with the people that can really embrace what's coming. Yep. So, yeah, on that note, we've been uh, chatting for quite a while, and I've got to get back to my office here. Well, I'm in my office, but I need to open up my door, and it's Friday afternoon right now. So if you're in the contracting business, you know what Friday afternoons are like. you got to get everything wrapped up, get everything ready for the weekend. Um, and it's Fridays, I always say, are the most disappointing day. It's, it's totally opposite as a business owner from the rest of the world. Everyone... Everyone in the rest of the world likes Fridays and hates Mondays. And as a business owner, Mondays for me are like, yes, it's Monday, fresh new week. Let's get out there and kick some ass. Friday, it's like, oh, God, we didn't sell enough. We didn't complete enough. You know, it's just kind of a grim day. So it's kind of an opposite. <laughs> but um, I got to get uh, got to get in touch with everyone in my office and take care of the Friday afternoon mumbo jumbo and make sure that everything is all buttoned up and kind of crossed off for the weekend. And, uh, you know, on that note, I guess I'll kind of say something here that is probably, you know, not too expected from me, but contracting is one of those businesses where if you don't want to be a big company, if you just want to be, you know, a small operation lifestyle business, that's totally fine. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of people are out there and they're struggling with things. They can't grow their business. They can't get the marketing, you know, right. And they feel like they need to take their business to this next level or something. You know, they need to go out there and be this big company. You can be a small contractor and do, you know, just fine. And that's totally acceptable. You know, there's mm -hmm. not many other industries or trades where you can, or industries or career paths where you can do that. But I think contracting, it's totally suitable. You know, you still have to understand marketing, understand how you're going to, you know, get some more customers. But you don't have to have this, I need to take over the world mentality to succeed. You know, you can have an awesome life, uh, you know, do all the fine things in life that you want to do just by being a small business, you know, and uh, your guy, the German guy there that just works for surgeons, I think he, you know, totally, totally personis personifies that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does. He, he does um, low six figures net yeah. every year. Yeah. As a but, crew, um, like five or six people. But I'm sure I'm sure that all of his customers feel appreciated, you know, so we'll, oh. we'll leave it on that note. Yeah, they do. Yep. Corey, many, many thank yous. I really appreciate you coming on the show today, and, and this is fantastic, and we will talk to you later. All right, sounds good, Randall. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. Bye for now. Yep. Now, a shameless plug from the sales and marketing department here at Fast Easy Accounting. We offer outsourced construction accounting, QuickBooks setup files, chart accounts, and cost codes. Zero setup and cost codes as well. We also offer construct consulting and training. And it's all going to be found at www.fasteasyaccountingstore.com. Again, that is www.fasteasyaccountingstore.com. And if you prefer, you can always give us a call here. Our phone number is 1-800-361-1770. Hope this is I hope this podcast helps you understand that outsourcing your contractor's bookkeeping services to us is about more than just doing the bookkeeping. It is about taking a holistic approach to your entire construction company and helping support you as a contractor and as a person. We understand the good, the bad, and the ugly about owning and operating construction companies because we've had several of them, and we sincerely care about you and your construction company. Well, that's all I have for now, so please give me an honor of reading of commenting and reading the podcast, really listening to it, and please feel free to tell me what you liked and didn't like, and tell it as you see it, because your feedback is crucial, and I thank you in advance. 
It's our firm belief here at Fast Easy Accounting that contractors like you deserve to be wealthy because you bring value to other people's lives. This is one more example of how Fast Easy Accounting is helping contractors all across the globe to put more money in the bank to operate and grow your construction company. Construction accounting is not rocket science. It is a lot harder than that and a lot more valuable to people like you. So please stop missing out. If you would like to learn what makes construction accounting different from regular accounting, please visit www.fasteasyaccounting.com forward slash CA. And please feel free to call Sherry 1-800-361-1770 or you can email her S-H-A-R-E at Fast Easy Accounting to schedule your no charge one hour consultation. Again, that number is 1-800-361-1770. Private contractors and construction owners like you have known what the value of outsourced um, bookkeeping services and contractor coaching services like ours for a very long time. And now you know about it too. If you're thinking about outsourcing your contractor's bookkeeping services, you're invited to download a guide to help you find a particular, I would say even the right contractor bookkeeping service fit your situation. You can find that at www.fasteasyaccounting.com forward slash HS. Thank you very much. Hope you understand we really do care about you and all contractors regardless of whether or not you ever hire our services. Bye for now until the next episode here on the Contractor Success Map Podcast where we remove contractors unique paperwork frustrations. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on how to turn your contracting company into a process-dependent cash cow. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Contractor Success Map. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star rating and review here on iTunes. And make sure to head over to www.contractorsuccessmap.com to subscribe to receive the latest articles and special offers. If you'd like to discuss your business strategy, simply click on the button labeled Strategy Session. And the best part, it's all free just for you.